0: Welcome to the There Is More podcast. My name is Karen. And I'm Rachel. And we are here just to help women dream bigger, pray bolder, and live empowered because we believe that there is more.
1: Today, we are so excited to give y'all some context for why we wanted to do this podcast. So you are gonna hear my story. This is Rachel and Karen's story today. And we cannot wait to tell you why we believe so strongly that there is more. Welcome to the There's More Podcast.
0: Well, we are just excited today to come and just share a little bit of our stories. I'm Karen. And I'm Rachel. And we know you have no idea, for most of you, who we are. And so we just, like Rachel said, wanted to give you all some context for just why we are so passionate about this topic that there is more, and we and we both have experienced, I think, in our own lives that um, there was so much more to the Christian life than we initially knew about or had ever certainly experienced. So, Rachel, yeah, tell them a little
1: bit about why you're so passionate about this, yeah. and how you
0: came to, yeah. to this.
1: You know, it's funny. I was I was actually thinking about this earlier today, and I was like, "Man, this is like truly my favorite topic yeah. to talk about out of all me the too. topics." I mean, and and we're gonna get to that even more in throughout the episodes. But I think for me, you know, I was raised in a Christian home, care and You and I both were, you know, in different ways, but everybody believed in God. And but I think for me. You know, salvation at 10 years old meant I just get to not feel this weight of my sin Mm -hmm. and I get to go to heaven. So the thought that there was like this abundant life and granted I was 10 years old. So what did I really know? But at the end of the day, I never really knew that salvation meant heal, hold, and delivered. And right. and the reality is at 10, I didn't really need to be healed from that much. Right. But yeah. I will say later on, I realized that actually I did need to be healed. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, my story's a little crazy. At 23, I lost my first husband to an mm-hmm. aneurysm. At 30, I lost my second husband in a plane crash. I had two children. And then at 35, I moved. I met some women who really. Knew what their salvation meant, right? And I was like, "What are y'all doing?" Because mm-hmm. I've been doing Bible studies my
0: whole life. I'm a super Christian. And what do you mean by knew what their salvation meant? Like, well, what
1: did that, I mean, how like, they were like living out something that I mean, I've been on a mission trip. I was pretty proud of that. I mean, you know, I slept on a <laughs> I slept on a, a little two inch mat, and hey, I was like, "I wash." You're definitely saved. I, mean, I washed myself in a hose with a paper bag around it. So I was like, "I got this Christian thing down." But at the end of the day, they were like living it out and, and evangelizing, you know, but not like weirdly, like right. it was like special and people were like drawn into their lives and they lived like free from other people and right. expectations and they were generous. I mean, I was like, man, y'all like like to give away money. I'd never seen like people giving their lives away yeah. and money away. It was
0: just, it was And not bizarre. out of, I think what you've always said, it wasn't out of like a pressure, like this is something no. I should do because I'm a servant of God. Or it, I'm a You tiber. saw excitement, right? Oh my
1: gosh. Like it was like, they were so excited to wake up and see who they met at the soccer game yeah. and see who was, and and to be really honest, I've lost some of that even, you know, throughout the pandemic. And I think mm. we would all say that like, that light dimmed a little bit for us Mm. when we had to stay at home. So I'm like, I'm so excited for me even to be able to talk about this, because I think even just admitting it and testifying, like I want that light to be really bright again. So all that to say, I saw them living out this life and I was like, what do y'all know? I mean, like, I feel like there's something you aren't telling me about your life. And I'd never heard the term freedom in light of the gospel. I, I know that sounds ridiculous, but that was like not something we talked about. We were talking about the scriptures. And no, I agree.
0: I mean, it's not like you hear messages on freedom. Like, I, it, it's, I think most people, they just assume, well, I must be free because I'm saved.
1: Or because I'm an American.
0: Right. I mean, it was like, okay, <laughs> yeah, it's i well, flag thing. I mean,
2: yeah, it's like patriotism. <laughs>
1: I was like, I don't know what y'all are talking about. And, and then the other thing was I watched them worship, and I was like— you worship different. Mm -hmm. Like I worship and I might lift Mm -hmm. my hands every now and then. Mm -hmm. But anyway, I was kind of like, okay, this is, y'all have been freed from something. Mm -hmm. And I just didn't know what that was. So I started asking a lot more questions and ended up, you know, hearing what I would call the real gospel, which Mm -hmm. is not, it's up to you, Rachel. That was my gospel. It was the the gospel.
2: Uh Pull (laughs) yourself up by your bootstraps and do good.
1: And, And, you know, honestly, it was so... But it was so much more than that. Yeah. They had a relationship that was authentic. Yeah. And I was hiding. And mm-hmm. I think at the end of the day... Why were you hiding? I want to... Well, know yeah. I mean, I had been... Um, you know what I would call a, a survivor of abuse mm-hmm. from a distant family member when I was young. I was ten years old, and it what seemed like child's play was not child's play in my brain. Right, and I think that happens to so many women. We've prayed for hundreds of women mm-hmm. that they have this, you know, secret thing that happened over at their friend's house, and 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 that was me. I lived with this secret shame for twenty five years, mm-hmm. and they were free from their own secret shame, right. and they had them too. But I just never. Known anybody one to admit it, Mm -hmm. and then two, I think to, you know, walk it out and know people who knew people how to heal. I mean, I was just like, where do you find those people? I mean, you know, you're not going to get that in just your average. Let's go to Bible study on on Wednesday night and Mm -hmm. sit there for two hours and watch a video. I just, I mean, nobody was like literally talking about their lives. We were talking about the Word, and that's so important too. But it has to
0: be both, and and I think we don't even though we might go to that Bible study, nobody's praying for you in your heart. Like we're all praying for Aunt Sissy's big toe you know, know. like you're p- praying about all the other yeah.
1: stuff absolutely you know get a good job provide for my ch- you know what all those yeah. kind my of kids things struggling yeah well and that was one of the things i did a bible study with those friends in huntsville and they prayed for me specifically after every bible study mm-hmm. and it was almost like embarrassing like i was like i, I don't know what to say about myself uh-huh. and i was so emotionally detached i mean that's really my story as being you know, super detached, disassociated, whatever you want to call it, right. extremely emotionally unhealthy. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know it because I looked kind of like everybody else right. that felt like, I mean, I felt like a super Christian doing my thing, but yet I couldn't tell you how I felt about something. Right. Successful, and happily couldn't, married. Yeah, all couldn't the comfort my children, didn't really grieve. I mean, I you know, we've talked about this before, but I had a Bible study two weeks after my husband died because I was like, I do not know the 66 books of the Bible well enough. I mean, who in their right mind needs to be starting a Bible study two weeks after their husband dies? But that gives you Rachel a Brown. little indication of where I was emotionally mm-hmm. because I thought more knowledge would fix me. Right. And I think so many Christians just think, well, if I read the word more, right. if I, you know, memorize more scripture, you know, and those things are important. Mm-hmm. I'm not dismissing the word mm-hmm. in any way, but you have to tend your garden. And right. I didn't even know what that meant. And some of you may be listen, you're like, well, I don't know what that means either. And this is a good podcast for you to listen to because, yeah. you know, I think that is that there is more for me. Yeah. the there is more is walking in wholeness. Yeah, It is walking out your salvation, which means in Greek, it means heal, whole and delivered. And right. you can't read that. You can't read salvation in scripture as an, you know, an English speaker and know that's what that means. Yes. But when you look at that word, yeah. it's like, hmm. He'll whole and deliver, yeah. And so I look at my life and I look at, there's more for me. And it meant a radical relationship with the Holy mm, Spirit that's good because I was, he was just a thing out mm-hmm. there. <laughs> I, <was laughs> like, I had a feeling and that was the Holy Spirit. Yeah. You know, if I had like a a little knowing, or if I had like a you know, intuition, like mm-hmm. that was a lot of times the Holy Spirit for me, prompting me to do things, say thanks to my children, which that was all true. Yes, But I didn't have intimacy with the Holy Spirit. Right. I didn't, I didn't call on him yeah. to help me do things. I didn't ask him for gifts. I didn't even know there were gifts. I mm-hmm. thought gifts were like, hospitality and
0: serving (laughs) and leadership
1: and I can do a spreadsheet which Mm -hmm. I can't do a spreadsheet so Mm -hmm. I don't even know why I would say that but (laughs) I mean you know I think at the the end of the day you know the gifts for me were not given by the Holy Spirit they were you know your personality yes they were personality driven it was like taking a personality test and so Mm -hmm. I look back on you know Mm. I'm 45 now that was 35 I'm just so grateful, mm. you know. It it almost makes me well. It does. It makes me emotional because I just look back and I thought, what if I'd never met them? I know. What if I'd never seen it? What if I didn't know what there's more men and now I'm 45 and my kids are teenagers and we just went through a p- pandemic so if you're like what is she talking about like this is a safe space we're mm-hmm. going to be radically honest I mm-hmm. think that's one thing like you and yeah. I both like we've overshared in a thousand different ways <laughs> and I don't think this my guess will be the conversation. any different and so I think at the end of the day like I just want so much for you while you're walking down the road or you're on your treadmill whatever you're doing mm-hmm. I just want you to know that he came to shed light on your life and give you so much confidence that he's real and that he has this amazing powerful authoritative darkness smashing life for there you, you
2: go. Yeah, and it's good. exciting mm-hmm. you know
1: and I don't want anybody to miss it that's All my right. big thing I mean Our friend named her book Don't Miss Out. And I was like, oh my gosh, like that is it. I mean, we don't want you to miss out on a thing. Yeah. Yeah. So tell me about yours. Like, (laughs) what's the story? How do I follow that up? I mean, you know, I
0: think that the difference between Rachel and I is even though I grew up in a home where we knew who God was, Mm -hmm. there was no, you know, we didn't go to church on a regular basis. We kind of, you know, went to, church for a while and then stopped going for like another eight years, you know, so it was very back and forth. So I didn't have, like Rachel had such a context for being a good Christian girl. Whereas for me, it was I, you know, I felt like an outsider. So, you know, you may be one of those people that's listening and yeah, going to church feels awkward to you. If you have not grown up in church, I cannot tell you how much you do. You feel like an outsider. Oh yeah. And cause you don't know the language, <laughs> you know, you don't know just the basic facts. I, you know, I didn't know any of those things. Mm-hmm. And, um, but I went, I got invited to a church rally when I was in high school and, you know, heard the what I called the gospel at the time, which was that Jesus died for my sins and I was a sinner. And if I walked the aisle and I prayed this special prayer that I was going to get to go to heaven. And, you know, I had no problem believing I was a sinner I, and I wanted what Jesus had to give me, which in my mind really was just the golden ticket. Mm-hmm. It was salvation to me meant I get to go to heaven one day. Sure. And to reiterate what Rachel said, if that's what salvation means to you, that is literally, it's like the front door. You know, yeah. it's like, it's its just the front door, but it's like trying to, it's like saying you live in this incredible mansion in, and all you do is spend time on the front, on the front porch. That's sure. what that kind of, and that's where I was. I literally was a front porch Christian for most of a good part of my life. Because I just didn't know what I didn't know. And even though the language was I have a relationship, all I I did was pick up the Christianese language. Well, a relationship means not just that I talk to God, but that he talks back. And I had no idea that God
1: actually talks back. (laughs) None at all. And uh,
0: and similar to and you Ray- wouldn't
1: believe that you were worthy to hear him anyway. No, and that yeah,
0: and that was really the catalyst for me. I was um, I was sexually abused at eight. Did not know that that's what had happened to me. All I knew was that I was a very very bad girl, and it was at that point I started believing a very deeply held lie that something was wrong with me, and I could never let you find out. Mm-hmm. And so even when I got saved, it it wasn't like. Oh, now I'm a new creation. I had no idea that I'd become a new creation. It was now I I've I've got to be a good Christian girl, mm-hmm. but I can't let you find out how bad I really am. And so I lived with this duality of here is my Christian girl persona. Mm-hmm. And yet when I'm with other people who like to drink and party and have a good time and be promiscuous and all the things, partying. I was a different person, you know, for them, you know, and hoping that my Christian friends wouldn't find out what I did, you know, on the weekends kind of thing. Sure. And so it just, it fostered this duality in me, this, like Rachel said, disassociation. So if you're one of those people who have almost like we call them like, almost like multiple personalities, but not like the real, you know. Right. Yeah. Not like like a DSM diagnosis, but You know what I mean? Like where, where you're different people, yeah. For different groups. All my
1: selves. Yeah. That's what I called it. All my selves yeah. came together. I would always say the
0: other part of me. And Well, if you say the other part of me a lot and you hear that in your languaging, there's probably, you don't have that congruence, that unity that that the Lord has for me. And so anyways, fast forward, had a real difficult time with um, it was just relationships in general, because anytime I was with somebody, they're just interacting with my mask. You know, like that is all I knew is to put on for people. And so I was a huge performer and that translated, you know, even in my relationship with the Lord, as I was trying to grow that, I thought growing in relationship with Christ meant trying harder, (laughs) try and be good. Yeah. Try and do all the things on the good Christian girl list. Go to Bible study, memorize your scripture, tithe, and you know, everybody you know, we'd have all these conversations. Well, is it on gross or is it on net? I mean, it was always <laughs> the magic formula. Yeah. What does it take to be good enough? And so, I, you know, I just want to pause right here mm-hmm. and say, if you are listening to this podcast and you wonder if you are good enough, I'm here to tell you, it is not about how good you are. It is all about how incredibly good your father is mm-hmm. that loves you so much that he in the form of Christ, was willing to lay his life down before you ever even knew who he was or even knew that you needed his pursuit. Or even sinned. Yes! I mean, oh my God. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I didn't know, but Jesus really was pursuing my heart He was pursuing my wholeness. And I had no idea. I didn't know I was broken. I just knew I didn't want you to know who I was. Mm -hmm. But that is brokenness Mm -hmm. and had no idea that he could do anything about it to help me.
1: And just pause there, because I think for someone who's listening and they're like, oh, my gosh, if they found this out about me, Mm -hmm. they wouldn't like me, choose me. And if that has been a thought in your head... I mean, honestly, oh, like, 100%. you are here for a reason. Yes. So I just, I feel like there may be yeah, somebody look, listening who's in. like, I'm if like, they found out, uh-huh. and if you thought that in your head, like Karen and I both thought, yeah. you know, I mean, oh my gosh, I remember just stressing out and thinking if someone ever read a diary from, yes. you know, my 12 year old self, yeah. I mean, I'm like, where are those? Oh my gosh. I remember thinking if I, what if I sleep talk? Oh, <laughs>
0: kidding yeah so if that is you um where rachel and i found our greatest freedom that began the journey to healing okay it's healing is a journey and sometimes he does it in you know one fell swoop and there's a lot that gets healed but it's still a journey and um but it came with both of us finally opening up letting the secret you know out and discovering that you're not you don't die telling the truth like, I, I mean, I literally thought I would rather perish than you find out the horrible things that I have oh, done. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And, um, and so, you know, for me, a huge deconstruction began kind of in my early 30s. I started going to counseling and I never forget the counselor saying, you understand you were sexually abused, right? And I remember looking at him like he had 10 heads. Sure. Like I had no idea that mm. anything had been done to me because it was all about what I had done. And I and it just never dawned on me there, yeah. there this that there was an origin to my story that had affected me so much that, you know, I think the way God's always shown it to me is that shame is like a seed and it grows an incredible strong tree in your life that has multiple fruit. And so for me, that fruit was you know, not, you know, wearing masks. Mm-hmm. It was insecurity. It was anxiety, like, especially in, in, you know, with people. It was, um, you know, using alcohol to medicate my anxiety. It was depression. It mm-hmm. was, um, you know, promiscuity. For some mm-hmm. people, it might be frigidity. You know, it's like all different, just like lack Numbness. of wholeness.
1: Yeah. yeah. I mean, and I think for me, it was like just completely like, let me just completely compartmentalize this yeah. part of my life mm-hmm. and forget it happened I would beg God beg him
0: to let you feel just
1: to let me forget the whole thing
0: oh yeah and then yeah. I will
1: serve you and mm-hmm. do whatever if you just let me like not own that this happened yeah it was just
0: and it's so interesting because Rachel and I talk about this our enneagrams are very different if you're familiar at all with the enneagram, but. You know, a lot of that how you deal with shame and pain, you know, is gonna manifest differently. So what's totally. this what we love about being together is you get more flavor. <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> Lots Whether of flavor. You want it or not. <laughs> okay.
0: Oh my gosh, the story is taking me forever. I'm no, so sorry. So just kind of fast forward, you know, I start I I start unpacking it um, from a counseling perspective, getting the knowledge, getting the understanding of how shame's impacted me, the lies I've believed. I'm pursuing God at this point. Now I'm you know, pursuing him back, mm-hmm. um, but had no idea that he could heal me. I, yeah. I didn't really know i I guess I really didn't know I needed to be healed until I got invited to go to a prayer counseling training. And that's what maybe now you you may have ever heard of a terminology called inner healing. Mm-hmm. But it's really just a facilitated conversation with god. and And so I'm going through this training, and while you're going through the training, you have an opportunity to kind of be the guinea pig for the people for all the trainers, yeah. And so I had put down at my presenting problem was, what if I'm not really a Christian? What if I'm pretending? Because all I knew was pretending. Sure. So maybe I'm pretending and yeah. I'm really not saved. Maybe and I'm ticket, like Cinderella. Right, maybe my <laughs> ticket is not going to work for me. Yeah. And, and that terrified me. And and I didn't have a heart. I might, you know, I wasn't in love with Jesus. I just would say I love him because you were supposed to say that. I would say God is good, even though I didn't really believe he was that good, right? Mm. And um, and so anyways, in that inner healing, they the girl says to me, when she looks at my presenting problems, she just looks at me and says, have you ever been sexually abused? And I'm thinking, what has that got to do anything with I may not be a Christian? Right. But she understood
2: mm-hmm.
0: that how much... Pretending and feeling like you're a fake all the time can have its roots in lies that we believe from a lot of it is from trauma from our childhood, even if it's not some massive trauma, just the lies that get planted because the enemy, listen to us, Mm -hmm. the enemy hates you. Yeah. And he's been at work your whole story to sow seeds in your heart of lies. Yeah. Because he can't stand the thought you're going to find out how beloved how beautiful, how mm-hmm. anointed, how powerful, how chosen, accepted, all the things mm-hmm. you really are. And so in that, it, during that session, she just said, well, can we just ask Jesus if there's a memory that he wants to talk to you about? And it like brought me right back to that moment in time. There was a particular scene where I was in a broom closet. I, this is maybe TMI for you. You can pause and turn the video, turn the <laughs> podcast off if you don't want to hear this. But I was just, I was in a a brim closet at the church that we were attending at the time. And I was in there with another little girl and there was pornography and the priests were on the other side of the room. And that's like the equivalent of having God on the other side Mm -hmm. of like the door and you're sinning, right? And she just said, well, where is Jesus? And I saw him walking towards the door and I'm at this point just sobbing because I'm terrified I'm about to be found out. Yeah. Remember, that was the root. I'm a, I'm afraid I'm going to be found out I'm not a Christian. Yeah. And he walked in, he opened up the door, and instead of being angry or disgusted or disappointed, which mm. I think is what we think, in shame, people are going to be disgusted by me. Sure. I'm disappointed. If instead, they only knew. If they only knew. Instead, he literally just reached down, scooped me up, and just said, oh, little one, and just threw me. Into his chest. And it, it like something happened in my heart that years of counseling, I don't think could have done what he did for me mm-hmm. and um, healing a part of me, the eight-year-old me that mm-hmm. desperately needed to know that it that I was okay yeah. and that I was loved. And that for us is you know that this is the more mm-hmm. you don't have to stay stuck Mm-mm. Mm-mm. In, in not on in any there is nobody that is beyond his reach, mm-hmm. yeah, his love, his redemption, yeah that this is what grace is, yeah, grace is extravagant yeah it's it's not about you it's about how much he loves
1: you it's about him because he's that good yeah (sighs) while you were still bad while you were were still still sinning Christ died for you yeah I know I think it's so exciting I mean I think Karen and I both have dedicated our lives because we're like we don't want one more woman
2: Mm -hmm.
1: to end up being in her you know I don't even care if you're 18. I don't want you to live another day. Yeah. Not knowing his goodness. 80. I don't even. Well, yeah. Uh-huh. I mean, like zero to 99. Yeah. I want you to not.
0: <laughs> if you're a hundred, I'm sorry.
1: Well, and then, oh, yeah, <laughs> sorry. sorry. You probably already met Jesus. But at the end of the day, I don't want another daughter to mm-hmm. identify herself as a sinner. Yes. I mean, not one more day. Right. That is not who you are. You You were that. That's right. But while you were that, he still went to the cross for you.
0: So we just appreciate y'all joining us. And we've been referring a lot. Sometimes in our podcast, you hear about this thing called Father's House. Mm -hmm. And we just know that sometimes when you hear these incredible stories from these incredible guests you wonder, how did these people learn this? How yeah. did they have these kind of encounters? And so we wanna tell you about a resource that Rachel and I have written that is gonna give you that that more, the yeah. more lifestyle.
1: Absolutely, so you can go to study.com and we have an eight-week Bible study encounter. It's just gonna walk you to the journey that you've heard a lot about in these podcasts. And we wanna offer you a 20% discount and we hope that you will check it out. We think it'll change your life forever and it'll take you on a journey that leads home. Well, welcome to the There Is More podcast. Welcome, Chad Gonzalez. Oh my goodness. Kira and I are like buzzing on the inside. We're like, (laughs) we have so much to talk about. Chad is like the author of so many books and alternate reality being probably one of my favorite titles ever because he is really big on bringing heaven to earth. And we just want to talk all about that. A million questions for you this morning, Chad, Mm -hmm. but welcome. We are so delighted to have you. So will you give us just... A smidge of your backstory, we were just talking about how you've been a pastor and in ministry, and he now has Chad Gonzalez Ministries, and um, that's kind of how we found you. So will you give him just a little high level of how you ended up on a podcast called There's More?
3: (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Short version, I I grew up in church, grew up in a real good Bible-based, spiritual church, Uh, but I never saw anything, never experienced Mm -hmm. anything. I heard God was good. I never really saw good. Wow. Uh I heard God wanted to prosper you and take care of you. We grew up broke. I mean, we were so poor, we were poor I mean, been, <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> we couldn't afford anything. And uh, I mean, I remember standing in the food stamp line with my parents. Like, it was wow. bad. And never really saw people getting healed and stuff. And so when I was 19, uh, went off to college, not made to go to church anymore. I was literally questioned if God was even real. And and just kind of ran, you know, for about nine months and, and, uh, ended up having just this legitimate encounter with God and found out he was real. And so, so Mm -hmm. that, and that was what I was, I just turned 20. And so that right there kind of set me on a journey Mm -hmm. of, of this thing of discovery and and from the standpoint of wanting to help people because I knew me growing up in a good Christian home, good Christian parents, in church three, four times a week. And if I was questioning if God was real, what did that say for, you know, the person who showed up Christmas and Easter or whatever. And so that, that sent me on a search, not only to help people, but I wanted to experience more myself. Totally Um, Ended up going to uh, Bible school in Tulsa, Um, met my wife. And then three years later, we started our first church in College Station, Texas. And, um, and I'll never forget, we were two months well, I'll say this: when we went to start the church, we went with the intention we we're going to see miracles mm-hmm. because there was already lots of churches in town, yeah. and I didn't want to be just another church on the corner. And so we we went with that intention: we we're going to see miracles, or we're going home. And this is in the days before Facebook and social media. That's crazy! I mean, my form of advertisement: I saved up two thousand dollars and put in a Yellow Page ad. You know, wow.
2: wow.
3: And. um we had no partners. We had no church sending us. It was just me and Lacey. She was 22 and I was 28.
0: Oh,
1: my god.
3: And we knew nothing.
1: Wow. <laughs> oh my god, and, That's courage. Uh, you knew so, so much a, about leadership, uh, I'm sure.
3: <laughs> uh, and we, uh, yeah, we knew so much. Uh, but the second month, you know, we had a completely blind lady that got healed, instantly healed. Uh, the next month, there was a little boy with Hodgkin's. He had three tumors on his head. And they dissolved during the service.
0: Oh my gosh, they've got chills. Um, mm.
3: yeah, I mean, it kind of gets me teared out Yeah, me thinking too. about it, But um
0: especially a child. Mm. But
3: like we were so hungry for that, yeah. didn't know anything, and still don't know much now, know a little bit more than then, but but like it just you know, you see those two things right there immediately, it just sets a fire on the inside Absolutely. of you. And so we are green as green could be, but just so hungry. Yeah and wanted to see stuff. And so our church started building from that.
2: Yeah,
3: And, um, people just started showing up because of the miracles and stuff. And, um, and so we saw just, there was a two year time span. We were keeping track of it that we had over 20 cancers, like medically documented, uh, that were healed during that time. Hmm. And, uh, and so from that point, just started learning and growing. And, and then we were there five years, turned the church over to a friend, went to arkansas and pastored two churches there for nine years and then we turned that over two years ago and uh and now just traveling full-time uh pushing i mean people we're getting known for the healing piece but really really what i'm teaching is about who we are in christ yeah oh yeah and um but it's from that the healing is a, right. a byproduct and so But it's the healing piece that I'm I'm bound and determined to get fixed, right? Because we see in Scripture it's there. We know it's we know it's supposed to be there in our lives. Yeah. There's lots of teaching, but there hasn't been a lot of demonstration.
2: Mm
3: -hmm. And so I'm I'm determined we're going to get that
2: fixed.
0: Yeah. You know, Chad, it's it's funny listening to you because I think for me that's where your curve is somewhat similar in the sense that you know i first was extremely passionate about healing um it, you know i just once i made the discovery and and made the connection that when jesus said it was finished it wasn't just about sin but he was dealing with that root the root being sin mm-hmm. dealt with the fruit being sickness and right. and i became super passionate about it and and yet it was years later that union even just recently within, you know, within the past year, Rachel and I, it's something we've really been meditating on. Can you take us through a little bit of the arc of your own story where, you know, because I know coming from a really strong faith movement, you know, it was about signs and miracle, you know, signs and wonders and miracles. How did God begin to teach you about what it was like to live from the place of your oneness with him?
3: Well, so like when I was in Bible school, um, very much a, a all about the word, yeah. about faith, our authority. But I mean, to be honest, and it's not a knock against anybody, but to be honest, I mean, my two years there, I didn't really see anything.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: Um, I mean, I had some great, great teaching. Yeah. And but while but while I was while I was going through school, and especially the the that immediate uh, year after, just in my own studies, I kept just seeing stuff about the union piece. And, um, and it was about that same time, it was my former youth pastor gave me a book. And I don't, actually, I don't know if, if I've ever told her if she if she even realized <laughs> but she gave me a book that the Copelands had put out uh, about John G. Lake, you know, his life sermons, his boldness, something like that. And um, kind of an orange and blue cover i remember reading that and devouring it mm-hmm. and reading that and, and seeing like man this is some of the stuff i've been seeing in scripture but i hadn't really been hearing people talk about it so i didn't want to get off scripturally yeah. you know you don't want to get off doctrinally but on the inside like i know something's there and um and then i've got a good friend of mine is jim hockaday and jim was over healing school at rhema and um and he had started kind of teaching some of these things. And I knew he was getting good results. And that was somebody that I respected. And so, you know, j- just having seeing what John G. Lake had been teaching 100 years ago.
2: Yeah.
3: And then seeing my friend was teaching some of these things, same things and getting results. That gave me the confidence to just move forward with it. And then, I mean, I would say probably for about 10 years, I spent most of my time just in the book of John. Mm-hmm. Uh, just looking at Jesus, because I got to the point of, okay, I know what I've been, I know what I've taught, been taught, I know it's true, but there's something missing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> and um, and it t- it took me a little while. I, I took my denominational glasses off. Yes, and and I basically just got to the point. I took everything that I'd been taught.
2: Yeah,
3: I didn't get rid of it. I just put it off to the sh- on the side, put it on shelf. And I just went back to look at Jesus mm-hmm. and let Jesus be my filter, yeah. and then let everything I've been taught filter that through, and whatever matched up to the words and actions of Jesus that stayed, and whatever didn't, as, as hard as it may have been, I, I let go of it. Wow! Because I, I began to realize Jesus is my standard. Yeah. Not, not Or Roberts or Kenneth Hagin or Catherine Coleman or whoever mm-hmm. you know John Lake Smith Wigglesworth. Mm-hmm. Thank God for their examples, but they're not my standard.
0: That's right.
3: And um, and so I just got I just got to looking at Jesus. But when I saw the union piece, when when I really started grabbing a hold of that, that's that's where we when I started teaching it from that standpoint too, that's when the miracles began to explode. Wow. wow. Because because I stopped looking at me and my faith and my Quiet. confession and and not that our confession. Not that there are realities and truths to that. Yeah,
0: we get you. and,
3: <laughs> and to our authority in this and that. But like what happened over the years, and this is just my opinion, but what happened over the years in a lot of the faith teaching is that it became so focused on us. Oh yeah that yeah, it turned totally. in, it turned into works.
2: Yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
3: And 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 then it didn't work.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and then you get disappointment.
1: And then it's all up to yeah, you. you disappointment. And then it's all yeah, up yeah, to you. Yeah, the frustration
3: and you get mad and you're questioning God and mm. and then you're you're just like every other denominational That's group,
2: right.
3: full of knowledge and, and no fruit. That's right. right. And, um, so, so when I grabbed whole of the union piece and I started going at it from, from two, uh, two purposes. Number one, for me, that I no longer saw me doing it by myself. It was right. him and me doing it together. And then for the people that it helped them to get their eyes off of their, their faith, their confession, their sickness, their body and become more aware of him mm. and just get back to the simplicity of the gospel.
2: Yeah.
3: That it really is Christ in me.
2: Yeah. The, but, hope, of know, the hope of glory. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
3: And, uh, but, but yeah, I spent a lot of time in the book of John cause that's, I, I began to find like Jesus, that's all he really talked about so much. The father with me, the father yes. in me, yeah, the father working through me. Yeah. But, but it was this prayer in John 17 that that's what really
2: triggered grabbed me. you yeah what
1: yeah. you know it's so funny chad i mean we're like are you like in our body uh-huh. Like, are you having all the same this conversations so <clears throat> yeah <clears throat> you got this a long time ago and clearly it's manifesting in your life but i think my thing is and I, I don't even know who i heard say this but you know the church has done a great job of talking about a relationship with jesus you know it's all about relationships all about relationship and the reality is, is when I look at earthly relationships, they're hard, they can be broken, there's strife, there's, you know, there's all these, there's a lot the of work. Separation. Relationship mm-hmm. takes work. We hear that from every counselor. But it's like when you take the relationship piece off of your oneness, and when you just focus on union, if you're in union with someone, it can't be broken, it it doesn't take work you get to rest you sit down into it and i'm like i mean to me i'm like that is the word that has kind of locked up a yes. lot of christians because we're looking at it from this earthly lens of relationships and that's such an undersell of what it means to be in christ i mean what would you say to that
3: yeah i i think the most the the most beautiful and yet uh basic simple pure example that Jesus gave was John 15, 5 about the vine and the branch. Yeah. Because I I have used that so many times in the area of healing and other stuff. But I mean that right there is the picture of us. You see the individual pieces, but but then again when you're looking at a tree, you're not focused on a leaf or a branch Mm -hmm. or you know the bark. It's a it's a beautiful tree. It's not just a beautiful branch. You know a beautiful trunk. You're seeing the tree so you, you see the individual pieces, but you see it as a whole. Right. And, and that's us. And the only job, I, I was actually doing some teaching on this a few weeks ago. Really, you know, throughout the Old Testament, you see all these works, all these jobs, all these things you have to do. And in reality, the only job that Jesus gave us was to abide. That's, right. that's it. That was the only job. And even now we've
0: turned into a work.
3: Yeah. And, <laughs> and in, in reality, it. you see. The Apostle Paul—that's all he talks about. Yeah, it's the it's, it's the mind.
2: Mm-hmm. You know
3: what? What has my consciousness? What has my awareness? Right. Jesus positionally already connected me, so I'm already there. But but it really has to do with my soul. What what have I allowed to have? My consciousness, my affections, because whatever has my whatever has my affections, that has my faith.
2: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow.
3: And so, so my my biggest job, my only job, really, is to um, make sure that my connection here,
2: yeah,
3: you know, is on him. And if if I can do that, if I can keep my soul connected, then then everything's a done deal. I mean, it's that's that's where the rest takes place.
1: We so hope that you're enjoying this conversation. We are so grateful that you listen to the There's More podcast, that we wanted to give you a gift. We wanted to share some of the things that we've learned with you. So Karen, tell them how to do that. Yeah, we've got a 14 day, kind of a mini
0: session on spiritual warfare, kind yep. of one of those topics that people I think have a lot of mystery around. Mm-hmm. They're about seven minute teachings with a prayer at the end of each. They're really just designed to equip and empower you Because we don't have a problem, we have an enemy. Yes. And so it's just going to equip you to arise victorious.
1: Yeah. Everything you need will be in the show notes. Now enjoy the rest of this conversation.
0: Yeah. And so Chad, what would you say to somebody then, you know, with this shift from, because you know, certainly for me too, that was my first, you know, understanding was, you know, to declare, you know, declare your healing into existence to, you know, and, and until my declarations weren't working. And so, you know, and yet there is obviously it's, you're partnering with the word of God, but I thought that I could make it happen by what I was saying versus really that more of that standpoint of what I'm saying is simply me agreeing with what my soul is already saying is true. But I, I wonder for you, and I don't know if that made a lot of sense, but I wonder for you, what, what do you say to somebody now that union has become such a, uh, you know, such the integral piece? It's the, it's the, it's the building block. What do you say to somebody who is in the middle of going through a cancer diagnosis? Tell me how those two dovetail now.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: So I, I talk to people about the union piece. I mean, I, I tell people when they come to our healing services, it sounds kind of stupid to come from a guy who's pushing heat pushing healing but i tell him stop trying to get healed yeah like if you came in here stop mm. or, don't don't try to get healed what and- a novel approach
1: wow <laughs> oh my gosh did, I, did y'all all hear that <laughs>
3: <laughs> well i mean it sounds crazy because that's what i came for yeah you, yeah. you know but but yeah, we we weren't we weren't made to heal ourselves any more than we were made to save ourselves. That's right. Mm. And um so we talk about the union piece, but 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 there is where the relationship piece comes to, and the confession. So the confession, we've turned that into a man, we've turned that into a job over right. the early years. and we basically treated that like a slot machine.
2: yeah, that if I
3: say it enough, if I, if I pull the lever enough, one day I'm going to hit the jackpot. And it's going to work, mm-hmm. <laughs> but in reality, you know the confe- our confession, our, our words of declaration—that's really supposed to be coming from. What did I hear the Father say? Because yes, that's what I'm say.
1: God, you're so our people. You know, what I'm did like- I see
3: the Father do? <laughs>
1: yeah, that's
3: what I'm going to do.
1: Yeah, and so
3: that's where the relationship piece comes from, and the union piece. And so, so for the people who have who've known these things for a while. And been saying and been working and been frustrated that's where i began to talk to them about okay this is where you need to spend time praying in spirit uh you need to give him your affection you need to find out what do you need to say and do in this particular situation because everything you've been doing it's not working yeah and so that's the relationship piece i mean that's a that's a piece i've been working on personally myself me too um in my own time that I, I only want to say and do what I'm, what I'm hearing and I'm seeing from him mm. and, um, and I've actually, you know, I've had, uh, I've had a couple of situations in which, I mean, not that I know a lot, but knowing what I know and it still wasn't working and being in a place of, okay, like, I know that I know I'm supposed to be seeing a result and I'm not getting a result. Where am I missing it? Mm-hmm. um. I mean, a good example, this sounds, I, I haven't told this too much, but, um, so I had this boxer, okay. And this was, uh, this it was about three years ago. And, uh, so my boxer, he had started developing this growth on his neck.
2: And I'm sorry. A,
0: I'm thinking boxer as in a person. Uh, I knew you are. I was like, <laughs> oh, yeah, dog. It's a dog. So for those dog. of you who are not dog <laughs> people, he's actually talking about a dog. Sorry,
3: just I'm a little dog. clarity. I'm talking about a dog. <laughs> yeah, not a Muhammad Ali, but, you know, my dog. So I had I had a dog. It was a boxer. And um, so he started developing this growth on his neck. And, uh, and it started getting kind of bad. And so we took him to the vet. Bet looked at it and said, I'm pretty sure it's cancerous. Uh, he said, but we'll go ahead and cut it off and just see what happens. So they went ahead and cut it off. And uh, a few days later, it starts to grow back. Mm. And it's growing pre- pretty quickly. And uh, so we took him back to the doctor. They ran some scans. He has cancer all through his body. And doctor said, you know, there's nothing we can really do. We could do some chemo to kind of slow things down. But, you know, uh, he's going he's gonna to end up dying. And so we go back to our house. Now, Lacey, my wife, she, she is like, she thinks she's like Jesus to the animal kingdom. Like she loves animals. Wow. She's oh. like, she's like Ellie Mae 3.0. Oh, loves animals.
0: that's awesome. <laughs> I love that.
3: And I remember. Would have nothing in we were <laughs> s- <laughs>
0: Sorry.
2: <laughs> we love you, Lacey. <laughs>
3: she, uh, I remember we were sitting in our living room and, and our dog, he was sitting on the couch beside us. And we were both kind of upset. We'd been going through a lot of stuff at that time. And um, I remember she, she got really angry at me. Mm. And she looked at me and she said, aren't you going to do something? Mm. And I said, what are you talking about? She said, aren't you going to do something about your dog? And I said, what do you mean? She said, you go all over the world and mm. you see all all these people get healed. And you're going to let your dog die? It ticked me off. Yeah, yeah. She made me mad. And we started arguing. I I remember I looked at her and I said, Who do you think I am? Jesus? I mean, like, get off my back, you know? <laughs> and we got into a bad argument. I walked off mad. But like I couldn't get away from what she said. Now, I mean, I'll be honest, I've never been as compassionate toward animals as she is. She yeah. just she loves animals probably more than people. Yeah. And so anytime okay. someone had an animal issue, I had them I had them go talk to Lacey. Yeah. But but this was my little buddy. My little, my, my boxer, my dog. And um, and so I I, uh, I got over being mad at Lacey and and so I went and I sat down on the couch. and so for the next few days, while we'd be watching TV, I'd have my hand on him and and just and just be saying, father thank you for your life flowing out of me, wow. flowing into his body. And I was doing that for a few days and wasn't seeing anything change and and my faith was on that, but I wasn't seeing anything change. Mm-hmm. and um and so, uh, one of those days, I I was looking for him, couldn't find him. I walked downstairs, and I found him laying in the basement on the concrete floor, mm. and he was going off by himself. So that's not a, that's not a good sign, mm-hmm. you know, for your animals. And I remember I saw him down there. And I just broke. I broke down crying. Lacey came and found me, and she and she uh, she said, "What's what's wrong?" I said, "I don't know what to do.
2: Mm.
3: Like I, I've done, I've done what I I know to do, and it ain't work. I don't know what to do." Mm-hmm. And so I I remember I walked outside and I just began to pray in tongues for a while. And I said, Holy Spirit, I know you know where I'm missing. Where where am I missing it? Show me. And that moment, it was the strangest thing. In that moment, it just like there was a knowing on the inside. This is demonic. Now, I mean, I fought that for a little bit because I'm thinking this is my dog.
2: Yeah.
3: Okay. This isn't a person. (laughs) Yeah. This is my dog. And so I, I kind of kept blowing up, but like, I just, I knew just, and it, just like any other times I've been dealing with people and services and, yeah. and just had a word of knowledge about something like I knew. And, um, I said, all right. So I walked back into the house. I remember I, I laid down on the floor, the dog's still on the floor. I laid down beside him. And I remember I put, I put my hand on him and, uh, and just very calm. I wasn't shouting, wasn't shaking. Just very calmly, with my hand on him, and I said, "You foul spirit of cancer, I release you in Jesus' name." Mm. And just I kept saying that. Yeah. Just laying there, very calmly, just kept saying that, mm. and um, and then I don't know. It, it was maybe maybe five, ten minutes into that, just laying there and just saying that, and and there was a point where, like, I knew mm-hmm. that what I said was real. Like faith rose up and grabbed a hold of what I just said this one particular time. And when I said it, like I knew it and there was boldness that came out of my mouth when I said it and, and God is my witness. That time that I said that the dog jumps up, hasn't eaten or drank anything in days, jumps, runs up the stairs, starts eating, drinking, jumping, playing all over the place, acting completely normal. The next morning, um, they were all asleep. So I went, I had a small little office in in that particular house. I went in there, I was doing some reading. Lacey comes running in there tears in her eyes and she said chad you have to come see you have to come see rocky and i said what she said the growth is gone
2: mm, wow
3: and i ran in there and i mean it was a it was like a baseball-sized growth wow. that was on his neck it was completely gone it disappeared over the night and um and so i told her i said hey like this goes every, against every little cheap bone in my body but like I want to go to the vet, I want them to rescan him. Yeah. Because they had seen all yeah. the tumors in his body. Right. So we took him back to the vet. Sure enough, they, they did the scans. They couldn't find one tumor in his body.
0: Oh, wow. so amazing. You know, yeah. wow.
3: and <clears throat> and that 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 really did a number on me. But because not only was it a thing of okay, this was my dog, you yeah. know, this was demonic and this was my dog. But I mean, I saw it. We realized this was an attack against us, yeah. And because of some things we were going on, you know, with that time, this was just another you know added issue. But but it also showed me the importance of hearing from him, yeah, as to what to do in, in a given situation. Even something that some people would seem they would think would be insignificant as your animal.
0: Which, gosh, for people listening, I know that's Huge. anything but. But you know what really stood out to me Chad because I had something very recently I, I told Rachel about it happened to me that so jumped out at me is you talked about how you all of a sudden felt this a compassion you mm-hmm. had not felt before and you were really moved and you you went outside and then you began to pray in tongues and and it, but it, so what I heard when you were talking is it started with God the compassion of God for your for your dog it wasn't you were feeling what he was feeling compassion for your dog and and I I feel like so often I had so I would had a similar situation I'm at my my mom's office where my mom goes she's got macular degeneration and we're this it's just I, I was really overwhelmed that day there was just sick people everywhere and diseased and crippled and i I was just like god this shouldn't be Mm -hmm. we struck up a conversation with a lady that was sitting a couple seats over she was only a few years older than me and um and she just had all kind of issues that she had gotten from actually taking a um, diet drug and um anyways long story short i i i started tears started welling up in my eyes as i'm talking to her and i ask her you know do you by any chance know jesus and she's like oh no you know like no, that's, that's, that's been a big, big disappointment. And I, but I literally, Chad, the compassion that I was feeling was overwhelming me. And I still, I leaned in, even though this was not something I would normally do and just said, would you mind if I prayed for you? What do you think about that? And as I was praying for her, it, it I've never felt this much compassion in praying for somebody in all my life. I, and I, and, and along with that, a rage at what I knew a demon was doing to her. Mm -hmm. And in the middle of praying for her, just quietly in the middle of this big waiting room, I remember thinking to myself, there is absolutely no way this lady did not just get healed Mm -hmm. because I knew it wasn't me. I don't know this stranger. How can I have this much compassion for a stranger? But it goes back to really, you know, just making the connection in union, it's first love. Mm -hmm. I mean, everything about union stems from I came to unite myself with you because I am in love with you, Chad. You know,
1: that's that's Abba's heart for you. Yeah. Oh, yeah.
0: Thanks for joining us on the There's More podcast. Check out the show notes. We've got a 14-day spiritual warfare course that you can take, as well as the code. If you'd like to join us in the Father's House Bible study, thanks so much for listening.